Welcome to Jiri Snacks, snackable episodes about the Jiri exam and graduate school admissions. I'm Tyler, founder of Achievable. We have an affordable $199 GRE course that includes everything you need to ace your GRE exam, which is a full textbook, tons of GRE questions backed by a memory-enhancing algorithm, and full-length practice exams. You can try it out for free at achievable.me, and if you like it, the code podcast gives you 10% off at checkout. And if you have a question or topic you'd like us to discuss in a future episode, we'd love to hear from you. You can email me, tyler, at achievable.me with the subject line podcast topic. Uh, so let's get started. So today we have Yuri and Seth from Test Crackers back on the show. Uh, really excited to have you guys back here. And do you mind just giving a quick intro of yourselves for people who uh, are starting fresh? Sure. Thanks for having us, Tyler, and uh, happy to be back here. Um, I'm Seth from Test Crackers. For people who are looking for a lot of individual attention from an expert in the exam in a small group or one-on-one format, we offer small group classes and one-on-one tutoring uh, covering everything you need to study for the GRE, structure and support to uh, set up your studies and get to a goal score. Hey, I'm Yuri. Uh, Tyler, thank you so much for having us on again. Appreciate it and uh, very happy to be here. Yeah, awesome guys. So today's topic is, I think, a really interesting one and one that you, you guys run into a lot in your tutoring, right? Which is how to use GRE practice exams in your studies, particularly the difference between or sort of how to use the exams with a third-party vendor versus like the official ETS power prep practice tests. Yeah. So yeah, if you want to take it away. Sure. I mean, I, th- I think this is a super important question because uh, when you're studying for this test, the you can spend a lot of time on a lot of things and you know the goal of effective studying is to channel that as much as you can on what's actually going to move your score up and official ETS practice exams hands down are the best way to figure out what that is it's the best way to figure out exactly where you are at a given moment and mm-hmm. what you need to be doing to get to where you want to be and how far you are all of that and so you know, there's this super limited resource. There's only five of these exams out there that offer this amazing diagnostic tool for, for sorting out studies and, and assessing progress. And um, you obviously want to use them regularly to get that value from them, but also a bit sparingly so you're not running out of them uh, and, and sort of forced into a different situation. So, yeah, I think it's a super key topic um, to, to organize and study as well. Yeah, so let's say someone's starting from the beginning, um, and they're you know they're basically like getting ready to, to do their GRE prep. They haven't purchased any vendor yet or whatever, and and I, I I'm not trying to get into recommending a particular vendor here. I know that we are one, but more just like let's say you've got a vendor. Most of them will have probably at least ten of like their own internal third party practice exams. And then you've got, you know, your five main key data points, like the real power prep tests. How do you set up like your approach? Well, again, what I'd recommend is as early on in your process as you can take some kind of practice exam, that's huge. Because if you've never sat down for the full length of what an exam is like and sort of seen the general structure you're up against, it's a lot harder to know really what you're working towards and how far you are from it. Um, You know, I think a lot of people have hard time gauging how much they need to be doing in studies and an accurate practice exam 
gives you a much better feel for how far are you from a score you'd be happy with. And it gives you, it gives you that baseline uh, understanding of which parts of it are going to be the biggest struggle for you and might need the most time. Um, personally, my recommendation for basically everyone is that you should be trying to take an accurate, as accurate as is available to you, practice exam roughly every two weeks during serious study. And mm -hmm. I think it's pretty hard to be seriously studying making progress without that. Um, a lot of people have reasons that they want to put that off. And often I think those reasons are, uh, a lot of times what they tend to be is their reasons to avoid something, their concerns or fears about that exam. And yeah. I think it's just so important to say, let's look this exam in the eye and let's get a score and let's see what that means. And let's like keep making a reasonable study plan based on that. And there's this yeah. grounding that the exams offer. It's kind of like when you're, when you say, uh, as I've said in the past, I can't go to the gym. It's too cold today. <laughs> right? Like there's always something that will stop you from doing the thing you don't want to do. Yeah. Can, and I, uh, can I talk about two extremes that I've, uh, I've run into in terms of practice exams? Yeah. Sure. Uh, one extreme, and this doesn't happen too often, but I'll have a student say, okay, I have 60 days before I'm going to take the actual exam, so I'm going to take one practice exam every day. That's 60 practice tests. By day 60, I'll have a perfect 340. Uh, and that's one extreme. Another extreme is I don't want to take a practice exam because I'm not ready. I don't know all of the uh, topics for 10 years of mathematics. I don't know all of 1400 vocabulary words. I'm not ready. I'll, I'll take the practice exam when I'm ready. Both extremes are ridiculous. Uh, the first is ridiculous because actually taking the practice exam doesn't improve your score. Mm -hmm. uh, practice exams are great for figuring out what to work on and are great, especially for uh, timing analysis um, and, de and determining your starting score and helping you create a, a study plan. But the taking of the exam doesn't actually move the needle. Um, so taking 60 tests without analyzing everything that you did, I think you'll probably improve zero to maybe one point uh, for those 60 days. And then the second extreme about just putting off the practice exam is equally unhelpful uh, in that when you say, I'll take the exam when I'm ready, you kind of go down this rabbit hole of figuring out more and more things that the GRE tests that you haven't mastered. Mm -hmm. And people like that tend to never take a practice exam, which is harmful to your score as well. You know, I like to use um, often an analogy of sports or music performance. And I, I think it, it's pretty fitting here for a lot of reasons. One of them is, you know, imagine you want to play basketball in the NBA and you're like, well, I'm not really ready to play in the NBA. And so you keep just like doing layups in the gym alone or shooting free throws or, you know, just you're, you're doing these activities to practice and you say, well, I'm not ready. And then you think, okay, well now the deadline's here. It's, it's time to go play in the NBA, right? Like it's not how it works. You want to do the thing that's closest to playing a real basketball game in the NBA frequently to, to check in and get better at that, to put it all together in this sort of performance setting. And it's the same with music, right? You don't just like keep going over this one little section of a piece you're trying to learn how to play a thousand times and say, well, I'm not ready to play the whole thing, so I never will until the concert. 
you have to do the whole thing. And that says, oh, there's some stuff I didn't even know I needed to work on when you try and put it together. The other piece of that, oh, sorry. I was going to say, and then, you know, taking the reverse (laughs) of that analogy, if you are playing 60, if you're like, I need to play an NBA basketball game in 60 days and you play 60 pickup basketball games, you're not actually going to get as good as you could if you were doing a a schedule with, with actual training in the middle. So totally. And, and, you know, there's, there's this other thing about it where people want the practice exams to show them something specific and, some, you know, another way to misuse exams I see is somebody, they're supposed to take a practice exam and they take it on a Saturday and it goes badly and they're really upset and they say, you know what, I'm going to take another one today. And they sit down and they take a second exam and that one goes badly too, often even worse. And so they think, I got to sleep on this. And the next day they wake up and they can't sleep. It's like 6 a.m. and they're like, I'm going to do another exam. And they just keep taking exams, hoping that one of them will show the results of where they feel like their score should be if they just keep taking them. And mm-hmm. of course, you know, that, that doesn't work for a lot of reasons, one of which is mental fatigue, right? It's pretty tiring to really take an exam. And the exam, I always say, it's not like a measure of your height, where any day you can just walk up to, you know, some sort of... Uh, device to measure height and measure your height and that's how tall you are and it's going to be the same every day, you're going to be a different height every time you take a practice exam if we extend that metaphor, right? Because uh, it's not like some read of your internal readiness to score a certain score. It's a performance on that day. And just like sports or music, it could go well or poorly and it's not going to go well if you do three of them all in one weekend. Right. And yeah, I think that's also, I mean, that ties into a, an episode that um, we we did, I, I did recently, that where essentially like the week before the test, the best thing you can do is actually just kind of like take it easy and like get psyched up for, for Saturday, right? And like sleep well and like don't like go out partying, <laughs> right? Like try, try to kind of put yourself in the right headspace, just like if you're a professional athlete or, or a musician. So I think so that, I, I actually do yeah. recommend that you go out partying the entire week before the exam, but that's that's for a different episode. Well, <laughs> just like maybe not the night before. Um, uh, that's that's not true. It was a joke. I should disclaimer. <laughs> please, please don't go out partying and blame me for your bad score. Yeah. Um, so let's say I mean so now as we've kind of discussed, like essentially you've got these three power power prep exams. And, and we were talking a bit offline kind of before the show about how, you know, some of the vendor exams can lead people astray. We're not going to try to name names, but essentially we, I, I want to like talk about the dichotomy of like you get, you know, certain scores on your vendors practice exams and you're getting kind of different scores on the power prep test and how to approach that. And also just kind of how to, what each tool represents and how to use them properly. Yeah, I, I think that's a tough question, because in part because all the vendor exams are different, and, and the answer might be a little different, uh, depending on which one you're taking. But the, the best one is just that you should think about ETS exams as like a doctor who is an expert in diagnosing a specific medical condition, and then giving you an opinion about that. Like, that's something you should really trust and believe as real. And you should think about third-party exams sort of like 
you know, what somebody whose sister is a doctor tells you she told them um, is like probably wrong with you based on what she understands. Like it's, it, it's just, it's a, <laughs> based on what she read on the internet. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, it's, it, these are, they're all practice exams are useful more for the process of doing them and what you learn you can improve than from what they tell you. You know, even ETS exams, it's great that they give you a score at the end, but what's even more valuable is your ability to take it and say, huh, here's some stuff that did not go ideally that I need to work on before I take another exam. And mm-hmm. that's certainly true for independent vendor exams, um, but it's, it, it's, it's, again, it's a little bit imprecise. And, you know, mm-hmm. to, to keep just trying to extend these metaphors, if you are trying to play, um, if you're trying to run a 100-meter relay um, and you train by riding your bike, like, sure, the better you get at riding your bike, the better you'll get at running the 100-meter relay. And uh, there's some overlap there, but it's a little different and it's not telling you quite the same thing. Yeah. So then let's talk about maybe attack, building a plan around the power prep exams that you do have, right? Like if you, like you recommended you take a practice exam at least once every two weeks. Well, Yuri also brought up a 60 day timeline in 60 days. Every two weeks is only what is that? That's what eight tests, right? So then how would you set that up or how, like, you know, if you've got like a 60 day or 90 day, you know, are you looking to take a power prep exam first thing and then do some vendor exams and then like, you know, try and space them out evenly? Or are you trying to kind of save three of the five power preps for later? Yeah, no, that, oh, sorry. And in my experience, I think that that we kind of treat those ETS exams Mm -hmm. as gold and we try to save them for when we're closer to our goal score. If you have third-party exams, and uh, and if you have one that's relatively accurate, uh, it's not going to be as accurate as the ETS tests, but they're relatively accurate. If you are 12 to 15 points away from your goal score, I probably would not jump to the ETS right. exams at that point. You know, I would use third-party material until you're within two to five points of your goal score on each section and then make the jump over to the ETS tests um, so that you can get, you know, super accurate diagnosis of, of where you are. Um, and so that you don't waste the five ETS exams before you're anywhere. Close totally. To and and I think score. it's, you know, it's, you get a, a rough idea of your score from, you know, third-party exams, and that's valuable. And you also, you build the skill of test-taking. And I can't stress this enough either. The, the exam is not only a test of how well you know content, it's a test of how well you know how to approach the exam. And you're mm-hmm. trying to, you know, this comes to another piece about using these exams. You have to take them in a way that mimics the real environment of taking the test as much as possible. People love to pause exams and take a break because they're like, well, I can do that. This isn't a real test, right? I got a phone call from my dad. I'm going to go ahead and take that and then get back to it. Or, you know, uh, I ran out of time today. I'll finish this exam tomorrow. That's not accurate anymore. And that's Mm -hmm. not the point of practice exams. There are tons of problems that you can do that are very similar to the problems you'll see on the test in something other than a test environment. 
But the point of practice exams is to say, how do I learn to perform in a test environment? And third-party exams give you a chance to build that skill well enough that when you're taking the ETS exams, you've already got a lot of that stuff figured out. And so you're not burning through these valuable ETS exams uh, without a clue how to even manage the clock or, you know, keep mentally alert the whole time or that. Mm -hmm. You figured out the sort of big picture stuff and you're more fine-tuning. Right. And that's also, I mean, you just touched on two things that I, I wanted to come back to, too. Number one is managing the clock, right? Like, that's basically the the reason the GRE is hard. I think that if there was unlimited time, most people would get a, most GRE questions correct, right? Like, that are that would, would have been close anyway. But you have to get them done in 90 seconds on average, right? So it's it's a very different situation with the clock and... Managing the clock is basically like the hardest, in my opinion, one of the hardest parts about the whole thing. And if you don't do that when you're taking your practice exams, you're basically just (laughs) cheating yourself out of an accurate representation of where you're at. Um, And then the second one was you talking about, uh, I think I lost the second one. Okay. Well, I'll I'll jump to something I wanted to respond to earlier you said about how many exams to take and when to take them. Because every two weeks is, I think right for most people. Mm-hmm. I think it's not right if you have an aggressive timeline that you need to be ready for the test on. And I right. think it's it's reasonable to take an exam as frequently as every one week. But I, I can't really think of, you know, in, in the hundreds of students I've seen, a time where something outside of that range is right, either one every week or one every two weeks. And I, I really would caution against both of those. And we, we touched upon this a little, but just to, to reiterate it, because it's, mm-hmm. it's such a waste of a resource and such a sort of uh, problem otherwise, do not take exams more than once a week. You're not going to get what you need to out of them, in part because you're not going to have fully recovered from the exertion of taking the last exam and be ready to give it your all again. Mm-hmm. And some people are like, oh, well, I didn't feel that tired after it. And I'm like, well, maybe you should have been pushing more because that's the point of them. The point of them mm-hmm. isn't to just sort of throw yourself kind of half uh, halfway at this test and, and hope for a good <laughs> result. The point of a practice exam is to practice really focusing and working hard for four hours, you know, right. which which is is a big deal to do and which you need practice doing. Um, yeah, that that was my second point. Actually, I'm glad that you brought it back up. Uh, it, is that like one of the mistakes I made when I was preparing for the GMAT was I took like the the verbal practice, and then that was it, and I didn't t- I didn't do the rest. And I took like a, on a different day I took the quant practice, and I didn't do anything else. And so then I like got better scores on the practice exams than I should have. It's you got to do all of it all of the sections, even the writing section, might as well. Yeah, no, I mean, just to, to build that endurance. And, um, you know, with, with the GRE, especially where you have to do the writing first. And so, you know, you are going to be mentally fatigued when you get to the other sections by the effort you put in there. And, and you don't want to have that experience for the first time on, on a real test or something. Uh, mm-hmm. The other piece of that, though, you know, in terms of why you need that weak minimum spacing, I think, is that the learning comes after the exam, you know, and we, we talked about how a lot of the value in practice exams is that you can learn from them. That's not inherent in taking them. It's like a process that takes longer than taking the exam of going back and saying, okay, what's the message this exam is telling me? 
how can I go through problem by problem and think, why did this go well or poorly? Not just right or wrong, but like, why did this take me so long? Mm -hmm. Should I, even though I got it right, or, you know, was there a different setup? Was there a different lesson? Is this a kind of problem I struggle with? Is this a kind of error I repeat across problems? You really need to put in quite a bit of time to see what an exam is telling you, and then to work on changing those things. And to say, okay, yeah. knowing is half it, half the battle. The second half is changing my approach. So I'm actually credibly going to be different. And there's no point taking another practice exam until both of those things have happened. Until you've mm -hmm. said, here's what went badly. I know it went badly. I know what to do about it. I did that. I now can reasonably expect to get a different score next time I take an exam because I'm a different person who is better at the things that were holding me back. Yep. One, uh, one thing that sometimes third-party tests actually do better than ETS at is telling you information about your timing. Um, and uh, on some third-party tests, you can tell exactly how many seconds you spent on each, sec on each question. Uh, and uh, analyzing that data is really helpful towards analyzing your timing strategy. If you spent four minutes on one question even if you got that question right, it probably mm -hmm. hurt your score uh, because you could have done two uh, questions in the same time it took you to do that one question. And uh, conversely, if you spent uh, 23 seconds on a question, even if you got it right, that makes me nervous. Uh, if it's a quant question, for example, uh, because in 23 seconds, I always ask my students, did you double check your math on that problem? Uh, how, what did you do to solve that problem? Were you 100% mm -hmm. sure you got it right? Because 23 seconds is not a lot of time uh, to do a math problem. And sometimes they convince me that they were 100% sure of the question before they went on. And sometimes they say, I had a gut instinct on this one which is not the right way to go about a GRE yeah. problem. Um, but uh, timing timing uh, can tell you a lot uh, about how uh, to change your timing strategy on, uh, on future exams. Yeah, great. Anything else you guys want to say on this topic? Well, one we thing, up? again, we, we spoke about before getting started that I think is key is that practice exams, in addition to sort of telling you what to do, are also your best way of knowing how far you are from ready to take the real exam. And, uh, you know, it's, it's an expensive thing to take the exam, and it's, you only get a limited number of opportunities to do so. There's a you know, limit, you, you have to get a spot. Like, there, there's a whole process there. And it's smart to use those test center or at-home appointments to take your exam when you have reasonable reason to think you're going to get a score you'd be happy with. And those accurate practice exams are the only way to get that. You know, if you've scored <laughs> around where you want to score, meaning within a point or so, multiple times on accurate practice exams, you have every reason to expect that you can do that in a test center. And that doesn't mean you will the very first time you sit down and do that. Um, but it means you should be able to and you're, you're ready to go in there and take it. And what happens sometimes is students, they are pretty far from a score they'd be happy with on accurate practice exams. And they're kind of like, well, maybe it'll just go way better in the test center. And that doesn't usually happen. You know, that's, that's extremely rare. And so, you know. <laughs> yeah, the test center is more stressful. <laughs> yeah, and, and there are people who respond better under stress 
but in my experience, there aren't a lot. Most people do uh, no better on the real thing than they've done on practice exams. And so those exams give you a really accurate sense as, as to that timing. There's really no other way to do that, you know? Students always, right. I, it's one of the ways in which I always feel inadequate uh, from, from what my students want. They always want to know when they start studying how long it's going to take them. And I don't know because there are so many factors. Um, and, mm -hmm. and what does tell them is how they're doing over time on multiple practice exams. And with that, you can say, okay, now we know how long it's going to take you. Right. Yeah. And I think also the other thing too, um, just like you, you kind of touched on a little bit is if you have a score that you want, you have a target score, you need to be hitting that target score at least on the official power prep practice tests. Right. Like you can't, it's not like going to magically get better on the final day. And if you've never hit that score, right, you might have never seen questions that are at that difficulty tier, etc. So, yeah. That, that reminds me of one other point. Um, it, there's so much about these practice exams. Uh, mm -hmm. We talk about realistic conditions for practice exams. Maybe this is obvious, but retaking a practice exam is never realistic conditions. And a lot of people will do that. They'll take the same exam more than once. And, um, you know, if what I generally, as a general rule, say is if it's been over three months, there is some value, some non-zero value in uh, taking it again, especially if you it's been over three months since you've reviewed any questions from it. But until you get to six months, there's a huge asterisk where you're like, it's valuable, but that's just not the score you're going to get. You've retained enough of that test that you can't imagine the score you get on an exam you took two months ago is real. If it's six months or older, it starts to be like, for a lot of people, that actually is more representative of a score you might receive. Some people remember things well enough that that's not true, but for most of my students, if it's older than that, it can be valuable. And, you know, that's, that's part of why it's so important to use these resources well. It's not that you can never take those ETS exams again and have value out of them, but it is at least six months. The other piece of that, though, is because it's adaptive by section, there are these little hidden nuggets sometimes that you can get at. If you have mm -hmm. a student who has not been doing well enough to get into the harder second section of the practice exams when they started studying, they improve and they start doing that consistently on later practice exams, then there's this hidden second section they never used that is like a fresh exam section that they can get to by going back and retaking those first exams. Yeah. Yeah. I think just your points about retaking exams in general are, are, are very true. In the research that we've uh, done or and looked at in the past like they've done like peer-reviewed studies and roughly speaking if you take the same test again it'll be about 50% less effective because you roughly remember like there will be a question that kind of stumps you and maybe you got it right you're like oh cool and you like remember that and then like it comes back and you're like oh yeah I remember this one right like I remember what I need to do to get through this and so then it's not accurate um, it's one of the reasons why um, we actually like randomize all the numbers in all of our questions and we like randomize a bunch of other things to try and mitigate that. Uh, but it's still, like you said, the best thing you can do is take a fresh test, particularly the power prep test. Yeah, no, totally. And, and, uh, and of course, ETS does not do anything like that to, to try and make them retakeable. Uh, ETS exams are very much the same exams if you take them multiple yeah. times. 
Well, they're, they, they, I think, intentionally are setting a limit because if you had unlimited ETS power prep t- practice tests, then, you know, essentially it could be not like pay to play, but like time to play, right? Where it's like the people with the people who are just taking three months to just like do a, a power prep test every week for 90 days would probably be at an advantage. So I think they limit that on purpose is my guess. Um, well, great. Any other any other thoughts from on this topic? We've had a good episode today. No, I mean I think I think the, you know, <laughs> quick summary though is, right? Take a practice exam as soon as you can. It's the best way to kind of kick off studies and know that you you've got some sense of where you stand and what you're up against. Take practice exams regularly every 1 to 2 weeks after then. But make sure you're credibly putting in the work in between them to figure out what was limiting your score on the last one and to try and change it, to try and get Mm. better at it, to try and diagnose and use that. Um, The ETS exams are the most accurate. Uh, We we don't want to badmouth anybody on air here, but... uh, but I suppose if you reach out to us, we, we can give you more specific recommendations about other ones that do work well um, and, and, you know, experience with that. And, and there are certainly some that, that you have to be very skeptical of the results you receive from them because there are people who go into the real exam having, having only taken third-party exams and just get results that are very disappointing to them because they're so different from what they thought they were in, in line for based on, on, you know, a specific company's test. Right. And, and to just add one more note uh, to your summary, it's, you know, treat the ETS power prep tests like gold. Uh, try to save, you know, preferably three, at least two of the five for maybe your last like sort of three to five practice tests on your one to two week cadence. Uh, and and basically just like in the meantime, like you said, credibly put in the work to improve your score. Absolutely. Yeah, sounds good. This has been Jiri Snacks, hosted by Tyler from Achievable with Yuri and Seth from Test Crackers. Uh, you can try out Achievable's Jiri course for free at achievable.me, and the, pod, the code podcast will get you 10% off at checkout.